Okay, so you're here for some great church leadership content. The podcast is great, but there's also another piece of content you need to be enjoying each week. It is the Leading Saints email newsletter. Now I get it. Email newsletters feel so 2006, you know? But it isn't as old-fashioned as you might think. It's actually one of the most popular pieces of content that Leading Saints produces. Each week, I share a unique leadership thought that can only be found in the newsletter. I keep it short and sweet. Most can read it in less than five minutes. And then we share with you recent content you might have missed, throwback episodes, and Leading Saints events that happen more often than you might anticipate. If you want to make sure you are on the email list, simply visit leadingsaints.org 14. That's leadingsaints.org 14. That will also get you 14 days access to our full library of content not available to the general public. So look for Leading Saints in your inbox by going to leadingsaints.org 14 or click the link in the show notes. If you wanted further insight into a Come Follow Me lesson, you'd probably search in YouTube or get the We Believe app. Tough church history questions? You'd reach out to the B.H. Roberts Foundation. But what if you wanted to learn to be a better leader? Well, I'm glad you asked. You'd come to Leading Saints. That's why we exist, to help Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead by being familiar with others' leadership experiences, understand the latest leadership research, and finding a community to share ideas. That's why I'm glad you found the Leading Saints podcast. We hope you will dive into the archives and visit leadingsaints.org to find out what are the top most listened to episodes on the podcast. Welcome. You're going to love it. All right, recording live from Aspen Grove, Utah. We're here with the live studio audience. Let's hear it. (laughs) very good very good so we are in the midst of a leading saints retreat called zion camp and if you didn't know about it you should listen to the podcast more because i pounded it over over your head for a while and in the newsletter and whatnot and so it's actually happening so we're in october 17th 17th 2023 and we're here we got one more day of the retreat and uh, how's it going so far Great. <clears throat> yes. All right. And I thought it'd be fun to record an interview while we're here with a, with a live audience and people who actually care other than my mother. So we'll do it now. We have a special guest. I'm not going to introduce him yet, but who in the room could introduce our guest? Who's maybe talked with him? You want to come do it? We got a mic up here. Come on up and uh, introduce George. George is a doctor. Well, you got to first introduce yourself. If you want. Well, I'm not that important. Well, I mean, you're My the... My name's Tammy. Hi. Where are you from, Tammy? I'm from Salem, Oregon. Nice. And this is your second Leading Saints retreat. It is. The nice. first one was just so good, I couldn't help it. I there you go. Maybe there'll be a third. I don't know. There right? better be. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll get it done. All right. Back to George. Back to George. George is a doctor. He currently lives in Florida. Now I sound like I'm announcing a game show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and George has 11 children. Really? George, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, we got we got a lot to talk about. He's got some amazing stories, and he's a smart, smart man, and he's funny, and you're gonna love it. Okay, is that all accurate, George? It's all that. Well, I don't know about funny, but <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Tammy. Now, George, I'm. You know, when we put a retreat together, there's sort of a demographic we expect to show up, but you're 87 years old, right? 
Right. And so why a leading saints retreat? What what appealed to you about it? When I first read the flyer, it made I I'm I'm sure the flyer didn't say that, but it sounded like this was going to be a group of weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> and you were right. <laughs> And um, <laughs> it's funny. That is so true. All right. I tell people that I have spent my life living outside the box, trying to convince them that I'm inside the box. Mm-hmm. And it sounded like this was going to be a group of people who were also trying to live outside the box and accomplish change. Uh-huh. And I'm always for change. Every place I've ever worked probably has had to put bridles on me because (laughs) I've always got ideas and trying to change. Yeah. So that's interesting. You said you're outside the box trying to convince others you're inside the box. Trying to convince people that I'm living inside Tell me more about that. Like, does an example come to mind, an experience, whether work or church or whatever? Well, I try to be very conventional at church, but in the background, I'm usually doing something that is trying to change the way we deal with people. I'm very aware of people who are on the fringes of the church and trying to show them how they can fit in and that what they're trying to do is is good and they just need to stick with it. Yeah. Would you say you were throughout your life you were always like that? Yes. Well, when I initially I was just very bullheaded and just kept hitting my head against the wall and it's it was I can remember very clearly I had gone to Florida to do my internship and I received the Melchizedek priesthood there. I hadn't been a member of the church very long. So how, what, what age were you at this point? About 23. Okay. So convert to the church in your early 20s? In, yes. Okay. And it really changed my life. And I began to see that there was another way. And by putting uh, Christ in my life, it caused me to think differently. And so I started trying to learn and not just butt heads with people. Hmm. And um, it's it's taken a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Even 87, maybe you haven't mastered it completely. <laughs> I'm still working on it. All right. I, my bishop will tell you that, what's he doing here again? <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you mean by that? Like, uh, what's that well, experience? It, God has given me a, a really interesting brain. I have really severe dyslexia. Oh, really? And so I've read maybe 25 books my whole life. Really? Even you made it through med school and everything. I made it through med school. Wow. It was very difficult. And as I look back on it, the hand of God was really there. So I don't read, but I I have a a brain that if you give me a problem and I can probably come up with 17 solutions Hmm. to it. So I'm always at the bishop's office with a new idea. (laughs) For 17. (laughs) (laughs) For 17. Nice. And... So, and that's interesting, just as I've talked with you, you know, offline here, just hearing your engagement and how, didn't you say, like, as you found this retreat, you sort of said, these are my people, like, yes. right? Like, you identify as someone who is a natural leader, right? Or how I, would you phrase it? I don't really think of myself as a leader, but I, today, I think 
has made me feel more like a, like a leader. Mm. Like today being here? Yes. Tell me more about that. What, what do you mean by that? <laughs> the uh, exercise where people came and said what they had noticed mm. about me was, uh, was different. It was powerful? Very powerful. Did you feel like it was, they were saying things to you, you've known all along, but just to hear it from somebody else, maybe it confirmed that? To uh, some degree, but I don't really think of, of myself as a, a real leader. I do usually try to stay in the background because people don't like too many ideas all at once. Mm. And they've got an idea. and. So I usually just kind of wait and see how it turns out. And yeah. And that maybe goes back to that, that bullheadedness you've sort of figured out how to temper a little bit. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So at 87 years old, you know, there, I think a lot of people in your demographic, your peers, they, they feel the sense of, you know, the term is feeling out to pasture, right? Like, George, you've lived, lived a good life. You've had sort of your, your career, your your high points of maybe influence in in the church. And do you feel that at times that you're sort of out of pastor? Oh, what? no, no. And I tell the bishop whenever they call a new bishop, I usually go in and tell him I may be, you know, 87 or whatever. And I'm not through. Don't classify me as old. I can still do whatever needs to be done, hmm. and I want to do it. And if you don't find something for me to do, I'll find it myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I just I retired from practicing medicine about a year ago. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> You're 86 years old when you retired? Yeah. And did they, or everybody was good with that? Like, or was that a hard thing to, were they sort of helping you maybe think about retirement? No. They, they were good uh, about it, huh? They, um, I had offers to work since, and it's been hard to turn it down. I practiced for 65 years. And oh, my goodness. So it's kind of in my nature, and, and you can probably ask, I've given medical advice to people here. <laughs> yeah. That's great. <laughs> so it's, it's wow. hard to stop. Yeah. And what type of medicine did you practice? I uh, was trained as a family practitioner, and I did something called functional medicine, mm -hmm. which is um, studying cellular physiology, looking wow. at uh, things from a cellular viewpoint rather than a symptomatic yeah. viewpoint. So identifying as like this leader, did you have more formal experiences of leadership in the church, uh, bishoprics or anything like that? I've been a counselor in the bishopric a couple of times. I think I learned the most from being executive secretary a couple of times. Hmm. And uh, that was my favorite calling because you have all the power and no responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're the gate gatekeeper, right? You're the right? gatekeeper. <laughs> right. Nice. And um, you did that a few times, sir? I did it twice. Oh, great. Yeah. And you bounced around the country in your career, you, you mentioned to me, right? Yes. Yeah. I've I lived in China for three years and I worked and was the CEO of the hospital there. And I've um, worked in Boston. I set up, uh, my this was my favorite job, but I set up ICUs in people's homes. And you can imagine that's expensive. And 
there's there's no feeling exactly like having somebody give you a credit card with no limit on it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. It's just, it's a wonderful feeling. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. (laughs) So why, uh, this is a little tangent here, I guess, but why ICUs in a home? Uh, These were family members who were critically ill. Okay. And they had the funds to do that. Okay. To send up, to set up the uh, ICUs. And so. Wow. I bought all the equipment and trained all the personnel. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now, you recently uh, returned from uh, mission service. What served, tells, tell me about my, that. My wife and I served in the Tampa mission office and did. she did the finances and I did housing. Mm-hmm. And were you the also the, the doctor for the missionaries? Or? No, um, I, I gave a little bit of advice, but yeah. not too much. They had a nurse and they have a doctor, uh-huh. you know, for each mission. And so I didn't have to get too involved. I would yeah. have liked to have gotten more involved because with functional medicine, we could have done a lot, particularly with the missionaries with emotional problems mm-hmm. and things like that. Did so, you see a lot of that? A lot. Yeah. Yeah. How, how did that usually manifest or what, what did you, how were you aware of that? Depression. You could see it in their eyes. Mm. You could tell when they were really having trouble because we were in the mission office, you know, they were always coming through and... And so we got to know a lot of them. Yeah. And so your responsibilities were over housing? Just housing, mm-hmm. doing leases and finding apartments yeah. and things like that. And uh, is that your uh, first mission then? That's the, yes, our first mission. Great. And any, what encouragement do you give to maybe people in, in their 80s looking to do that? Oh, it, the energy that you feel from the young missionaries, it's its just wonderful. Mm-hmm. It, it's, you know, they're so full of energy and enthusiasm and and it, we learned a new language. Oh, yeah, from the missionaries? Or? <laughs> from the missionaries. <laughs> well, well, share that language with us. Oh, I, it's left me already. <laughs> but, you know, just the, oh, I learned uh, how you do some sort of salute like that. That's supposed to be a really, uh, <laughs> I understand, I get you, I'm oh, with you. Oh, gotcha. Sort of thing. So they, were, they all laughed because, you know, this old man is... <laughs> <laughs> Saluting them. Huh? So, <laughs> That's great. So Nice. And uh, that was when you lived at your home. We lived at... Because you home. lived just south of Tampa, right? Or north? north? Just north, north of, okay. Mm-hmm. What's the name of your city? Uh, Port Ritchie. Okay, cool. And, and so you were able to commute in and we did. And it was a, a huge disruption of your life, but you could still experience a great mission. Well, it we pretty much shut down all of our other activities mm-hmm. and focused just on the mission. Yeah. Yeah. So take me back to, you know, some maybe some principles that some epiphanies that have stood out here and you applying in, in your life as far as like how did you what is that the day to day other than connecting with your bishop and giving, sharing ideas and whatnot. Like, how do you be a leader without being formally called as a leader? Well, I adopted what we've been told. The blue book is just a guideline. It's not something you have to follow. Mm-hmm. And I found that bishops, you know, they're swamped. If you do something and you set it up and you get it working, and then you go and ask the bishop's permission, He's most likely to say yes, because he just didn't have time to say no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so 
that's kind of what I've done. Yeah. And just picked an area or an idea that, oh, this is my chance. Go go <laughs> for it, George. <laughs> so I'm trying to build unity in our ward. And I think we need, back in the old days when we used to have dinners to raise funds to build our chapel. Yeah, the building fund, right? The building fund. I've, I've often thought about, I, I want to do an episode where I gather a bunch of 80s bishops and just talk about like, what was it like? What did the checkbook look like? Right. Like, yeah. like or the building funds. Like, cause back when my dad was a bishop, he had yeah. to stand in front of the ward and say, we got to pay utilities, folks. Right? right. Like, yeah. Right. You had not only the building fund, but you, we paid a certain percentage of the utilities and on top of your 10% tithe, right? On top of the tithing. Wow. Yeah. But the unity that we had was really great because we gathered so often to do activities you know, to raise the funds, that the side benefit was something that I think is really missing yeah. today, the getting together yeah. so often. I was encouraged by Elder Gong's recent general conference talk. He sort of alluded to this as far as like encouraging activities and whatnot. But, and really this is a, this is a, a general problem that I think a lot of wards face. I mean, I think many of you would say in this room, is your ward need some help with unity? Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, keep going. So, my, I've got a lot of ideas, but the one that I'm really promoting is, uh, you know about Worm Charming? I'm lost, George. What, tell me about Worm Charming. Anybody here? Everybody knows. Okay. Ah, Bridget. Okay. You're the first people that I've ever talked to. Well, about. well these are your people, George. So. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So what you do is you get a stick and you carve notches in it, and then you have another stick and you put the first stick down into the ground about 8 to 12 inches, and then you rub the uh, stick up and down the notches, and it creates a vibration in the earth that is similar to a, a mole going through the ground looking for earthworms. And so the worms know that vibration, and so they pop up to the grass, and you pick up the worms. We've taken the Leading Saints podcast to a whole nother level. <laughs> I'm like so fascinated. Okay. So everybody out there, we're going to have a national contest. There is actually the International Federation of Worm Charming. And, um, <laughs> and you're the president, right, George? Is that, no. <laughs> it's my aspiration. Uh, okay. All right. All right. Well, you got a long life ahead of you. So. <laughs> and uh, so you mark off a three square foot plot. You have the team. You have the grubber who rubs the stick. You have the uh, collector and then the counter. And you have uh, 30 minutes. Do you have to do this a certain time of day? Or? No, you can okay. uh, do it any time. So they're scared of the, of of the, the gopher? Molds. Of the moles, okay. Of the moles. And so you, at the end of the 30 minutes, you count up the worms, and the team with the most worms wins the contest. <laughs> Olympic sport, folks. Okay, <laughs> good. All right, so, so keep going. Yeah, so, bring, bring us back. So this is... In England, it's a big sport. Oh, and there's really? a town in Florida that does it, and they usually have an attendance of about 5,000 people. So wow. this is a uh, little-known great sport. Now, and it's not just so, a sport, but they're harvesting the earthworms to well, fish or what? No, uh, okay. what, this actually used to be a, um, an occupation in the South. Okay. Women could actually support their family by... Uh, doing this worm grubbing. Wow. And um, so once they invented plastic worms, the occupation kind of died out, although there's still some, some women who do it. Wow. 
All right. So take us here to, to Ward Unity. I'm sort of like, where? where? <laughs> so, so we're going to, we're going to have some food trucks and we're going to have, we're going to invite the, the town and we're going to get, you know, some other activities. Oh, and one thing I've thought about was we're going to have a, a contest a parade for the children and the best worm costume wins. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, we the, the audience demands pictures, George. So <laughs> send them our way. <laughs> so um, so that's the uh, sort of thing. I don't have to ask the bishop about that. You know, I'm, I you can just I, go do it. Right? I got I've got a publicity chairman, and we're going to uh, we're going to try to do it. So is this a publicity chairman from your ward or from the ward? Okay. Yeah. So and. You have approached the bishop about it, or you're just going to do it? Or you- Once I got uh, everybody in place and I got the rules and uh, got an idea of what we were going to need to do, then I went to the bishop and said, um, this is what I'd like to do. And he said, okay, worm grubbing. <laughs> <laughs> and so you have this on the calendar and you're... Con- we're, that's the, we're at the stage. I did uh, involve the ward activities Okay. Uh, committee because I didn't want to clash with anything else, and so she's supposed to be setting up the date as we speak. Wow! And do you, so? Do you have an official calling in the ward? They didn't know exactly what to do with us, so <laughs> <laughs> so we've uh, been called as ward missionaries, but we're uh, functioning under the bishop and not the ward uh, missionary nice. uh, leader, and nice. so. I figure that gives me the right to do just about anything. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it. even worm bro. <laughs> so, uh, tell me about your wife. Like, what is your wife not, uh, along wife, the same vein? Or um, no, she's Italian. Uh, she's very traditional. She's a good wife. How long have you been married? Uh, nine years. Okay, second marriage. Second marriage. Okay, and she really is tolerant because. Pretty much everything I do is different, and she had a, she had a very traditional first marriage, and so she's kind of oh we're going to do that. <laughs> and, uh, is she a lifelong member or no? That's a story. Well, I guess you can cut it out if it's too long. But <laughs> here we go. Uh, I did obstetrics. And she had her first child by C-section, and she wanted to have a home birth for the second. And so she, I was doing home births, and so she came to me, and uh, I was present. Uh, I usually say I helped her deliver it, but she wants to make clear that she <laughs> delivered it. <laughs> and I was just there. Attending. And, uh, so then that daughter grew up to be... We were in the same stake, and she wasn't a member at the time. But um, and obviously, this was long before your marriage. Long tour. before, okay, yeah, thirty-seven years. So she had had the missionaries come to the door, but they'd never paid any attention to them. But because of our relationship, and she knew I was a member of the church, she invited them in, and she and her whole family joined. Wow! And so then it was thir- about thirty-seven. 33 years later that we were both divorced and she was in um, Florida and she called me and, well, if there's any, do single people listen to this? Uh, Every once in a while. So (laughs) I used to go to um, the wards and 
I'd go to the bishop and I'd say, my name is George Wutan. I'm single. I'm looking for a wife. Do you have any women in your ward that would like to date? <laughs> He's a charmer. <laughs> so... It's a great pickup line. Uh, Yeah, and obviously it worked, uh, I'm assuming. (laughs) So uh, I was in Florida, and I wanted, I was going to go to um, a town called Largo, and because I'd heard there were a lot of single women there, (laughs) (laughs) and I um, sat down at the computer to get the address, and I got this impression, go to Odessa. I I don't want to go to Odessa. It's outside my stake. I prefer to stay inside the stake. Go to Odessa. So I go to Odessa, and the bishop, I gave him my line, and he said, um, okay, he'd think about it. (laughs) The next week he came by, and um, he said, well, I thought there was one woman that would be interested, but she's just not interested in dating right now. So I look up, and I say, okay, I'm here. He said, come here, you know. So I went to Sunday school, and uh, the um, Sunday school teacher was really a neat lady. Was very nicely dressed, knew the gospel. She had served two missions with her husband. Was just just an ideal person. And so I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, in my head goes off this light: birds of a feather flock together. So I went up after Sunday school. My name is George Rutan. Uh, I'm single. I'm looking for a wife. Do you have any friends that would be interested in dating? And her eyes got kind of big. And I said, well, you can talk to your bishop because he's called my bishop. And uh, so, He's clear, folks. <laughs> yeah. And so um, she said she'd think about it. And so the next week she said, well, I do have a couple of friends that are interested, but my daughter-in-law knows this lady up in Orlando that she thinks would be perfect for you. And she's going to text her. And if she's interested, she'll give you her phone number. And so she texted her. And the way she described me, Lucretia knew who I was. And mm-hmm. and, um, she, and I imagine you hadn't really had contact for decades, had, right? Yeah, yeah, we hadn't had any But just contact. remembered who you were. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, she described me as a doctor with 11 children who practice some weird kind of medicine. <laughs> not, not too many of those running around. Huh? <laughs> nice. So, so she knew who it was. So we, um, we met, and uh, nine days later we were engaged, and we got married a couple of months after that. Uh-huh. That's sweet. Wonderful. Yeah. And so uh, going back to this, your, your wife sometimes just puts up with this uh, eagerness to get out there and serve and lead. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Any other, I'm, I'm intrigued by these ideas. I know you have a lot of ideas. We can't go through them all, but what other ideas like uh, have you found effective and just in your informal role as a leader? Well, one of the things I got off of one of your podcasts, and I don't remember who it was, but he talked about inviting families to feed the missionaries. And if they weren't economically able to do it, the they provided the food from the bishop's storehouse. So we've, we've started that program. Wow. And um, So what does that look like? Like how do you facilitate well, um, that? We, we con- I, that's my role is to contact the families, find the families. I've got somebody who's going to coordinate the calendars because we're going to try to do this just with uh, part member families and inactives. Then uh, I've got five or six people that are going to help support the program. 
and we'll see. We're just yeah. getting ready to um, to start our first families. That's great. It's just a matter of you know making sure that opportunity is available to everybody in the ward, even, even if they can't afford the food or afford to. Well, we have one of the um, members of the, uh, I guess he's the assistant ward mission leader, and he does a calendar for the actives. And uh, they pass it around Relief Society or Elders Quorum, yeah, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So we're not, we're going to coordinate so that we don't conflict there. But I'm just trying to focus on the inactives and part yeah. member families. Well, that's fantastic. I think it's a brilliant idea. I mean, fantastic. So tell me just like, what comes to mind? Just what's your typical Sunday like? I mean, are you, you say you're, at times you're sort of just sit, you know, drop back a little bit and not put yourself out there too much. But is there any routines you go through as far as maintaining the, your engagement and in, in leadership in the work? Mostly I'm just, as our group, talked this afternoon, um, one of the things that has struck me in studying the New Testament this year is about how names were very important to Jesus. Mm. And so I've um, pounded on my uh, elders quorum president, you know, to we should, everybody in the quorum should know everybody else's name. Mm. And it's not going too good. <laughs> we'll get there. Delete that. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, and um, how big is your quorum? We have average attendance or whatever. Probably 40, 50. Okay. We've got good sized quorum. Good yeah. sized quorum. Yeah. yeah. No, and you, we were talking in one session, uh, Jessica Johnson was facilitating, and we were talking about the leadership traits of Christ, right? And then we shared some of our answers and you said something that was like so powerful. You, you said one of the traits of leadership and correct me if I'm off here, that one of the traits of leadership is that Christ knew people's name and changed their name. Right. And I thought, Oh my goodness, Christ knows my name and he's changed my name. Like that's so powerful. Like, cause he gives you, he recognizes your identity today and then he'll give you a, a more dynamic endowed identity later. Right. right? That's powerful. Yeah. Any other ideas, George? What are we missing? Well, let's see. We're going to, um, I'm looking for a lady that bakes bread, and we're going to um, uh, have one of the youth assigned for a period of time long enough that they can learn to bake bread. And uh, my goal is to bake uh, six or seven loaves. We'll do one for sacrament, one for the youth that's helping. And then give three or four loaves to the elders quorum president and have him assign some ministers to take that bread that week and go out and uh, deliver it. Lovely. Building Zion, right? Yeah. Food's the answer. (laughs) (laughs) When in doubt, (laughs) go with food. All right. Usually I don't have this, uh, all these co-hosts of mine in the room. What what question am I missing? Or anybody want to ask George a question about... His journey, his experience, and you got to come and talk and speak into the mic because the rest of the world needs to hear you, Adam. So until you, you got to say where you, who you are, where you're from, if you want. But yeah, so I'm Adam Salisbury from West Jordan, Utah, and so George, my question for you is: Did you ever have an idea or anything that was not taken well by a bishop? And what was the idea? How did it go? And like, how did the bishop respond? And then how did you handle it? Mm, great question. Well, not too much. I mean, I don't really remember, but I know that there have been ideas that I have presented that they didn't like. Mostly, 
people are sort of afraid of the, the handbook. And um, they are, if it's not in the handbook, it's really tough yeah. for them. Because they almost like, if it's not there, maybe we shouldn't do it. Because right. if we should do it, it should be there. Right. right. And yeah, that's a, a trap for sure. <clears throat> and I, did, I keep telling them, you know, it's, and I, I think it's hard for some people to separate the gospel from policy. And as we can see, in, since President Nelson has been the prophet, you know, all sorts of policies are changing. Mm-hmm. And it, the gospel is still true, you know, and, and I, I never try to change the gospel. But the policies, you know, if, if it's going to build unity, bring us closer together, you know, uh, create um, more unity, then we should try it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, and again, these aren't, I mean, every idea you share, these are not radical approaches to anything. They're service minded. They're, yeah. you know, innovative and certainly different. Yeah. But difference is, is good. Yeah. Are there others, uh, maybe around your age in your ward or maybe in your peer group or whatever that, I mean, what encouragement would you give to that group that any other encouragement come to mind? Well, I, th- I think that you just, uh, you know, you have to find like minded people. I don't expect to find anybody as far out in left field as I am, <laughs> but, you know, they can take a little piece of it. We've started a men's group. Uh, for oh, yeah. You, tell, me, tell me about this. The eligibility is uh, being over 40 and single. and uh, Within your ward? Within our ward. Okay. So I found somebody who's he's fits the category and he's interested in taking just that little piece. And uh, that's the way you put it together is to find people that will just accept a small bit of the the idea and run with that. And uh, that's so far that's been very successful. I I haven't really gone out because we just we were just released the first of October from our mission. I really haven't gotten out into the far reaches to. Uh, talk to people who, you know, really haven't been around a yeah. lot. And so the idea is to gather this specific demographic and then like, what, what are you going to do? Like have uh, gatherings or get togethers or? Um, I think the idea is to have a wide variety of choices mm-hmm. because one thing, not everybody's going to sign up for worm grummy. <laughs> I'd be there, George. So. But, um, you know, the, Different things. And I think service is key, uh, finding ways that we can be of service. People like to be of service, and most of them don't you know, know how to do it. And so we're going to just try to focus on a lot of little programs yeah. that will coalesce and, and bring us all together. Yeah. Again, it goes back to that, that community concept. You're gathering community, or in other words, you're you're gathering Zion, right? right? You're creating Zion in your area. Any other question from the, the audience? Come on, Robbie. Who are you? Where are you from? I'm Robbie Shack from New Braunfels, Texas. Nice. And so, George, as you talk, uh, you say you're 87 years old, but you have lived your life in a way that I think we'd all agree that you have 870 years of experience in those 87 years. And so, and you talk about giving lots of ideas to your current leaders if 
you could give any advice, not to your current leaders in your ward, but to the future leaders of the church, what advice would you give? Ooh, that's a big one. One of them, I just really can't stress how important I think names are. Hmm. And I think that we need to to focus on um, learning names. And I liked what was said last night uh, by uh, Brother Strong. Strong? Yeah, right. Jeff Strong. Uh, uh-huh. About instead of Brother Smith, it should be Brother Al. Mm. First names, I mean, we don't address our friends by, good day, Mr. Smith. <laughs> you know, you, you address them by their first name. And I think that that's really important. People, uh, oh, this is a, a, one of my other driving forces is there was a survey that showed three, two out of three people in America are lonely. And the Surgeon General published this big, thick thing about loneliness crisis yeah. and how loneliness is actually killing more people than smoking did. Wow. In England, they have appointed the Minister of Loneliness. Oh, really? I yeah. was not aware of that. Wow. So it, it's a problem. And um, I think that we need to uh, find all kinds of ways to make people feel accepted. And I mean, if you think about it, if you walk into a building and everybody greets you and How's, you know, Sarah and how's the dog doing and who's going to leave something like that? Mm. And uh, it's up to us to create that that atmosphere. Then I think uh, it will really help and go a long way to creating Zion. Mm. Powerful. Any other questions? Who are you and where are you from? Hi, I'm Donnell Quinn. I'm from Arizona. And I've loved getting to talk to George these few days. So thank you for being here. You've changed my life. He told me that he's been assigned to reach out and find all the people on the records that the bishop doesn't know about. Mm. And I think you told me there's 950 of them. And he's been assigned to find them. So I'm just curious how you're going to do that. I'm certain you're going to. I just (laughs) have no doubt. I'm just wondering what your plan is for that. So the first step is um, we've had a couple who have been serving an MLS mission in our ward part-time. So I'm meeting with them on Thursday, and we're going to go over all of the information that they've gathered over the two years. And uh, that'll sort of serve as a base. I found a young man in our ward who um, is has some disability. I'm not sure what it is, but he likes computers, and I'm uh, going to train him to uh, become the tracer of lost persons so that uh, we can use the internet. And somebody gave me an idea today. We do have uh, someone in the ward who is an ex-intelligence officer. And he was telling me how uh, he had tracked down some people. And so he's got some skills. And so we're going to use those skills to help track down the people to find out, you know, it's uh, the list says 950, but we know that there's not 950 people out there. And so we'll... Because they've either moved or... They moved, they died, you know, whatever. Yeah. 
And so we'll we'll narrow that list down, and and the rest of it's just going to be a lot of legwork. Yeah, and uh, I'll get you this info later. But this was a big concern in the ward where I served as bishop. We were in a very transient ward, a lot of people coming and going. So naturally, this unknown list builds up. And so what a lot of bishoprics do typically is maybe around the end of the year, Christmas, they'll send out a letter right in the mail. And they'll announce the new church times and wish everybody Merry Christmas, or whatever. And then they get the the letters back and they know, okay, this person's moved. Often they have a forwarding address, but that's a lot of stamps and it can be a, a big dent on the, the word admin budget. And so there's services out there. That, there's a company called Melissa Data. And I don't know if they're still in business, but there's definitely others where they have a system for like 15 bucks. You can submit a spreadsheet of addresses and they go out and hit the, the mail forwarding database, which is public data. And then it bounces back with all of these addresses are, here's the new address. So, and it, oh. it's really cheap that way. So oh, that's neat. Yeah. So you look into that. So <clears throat> any other questions? Yeah. It's on. yeah Hi, okay. I'm Jessica. During this conference, I made a comment on the first day about how it's easy to play small as a woman in the church when you have to take all of your requests through priesthood leaders. And you made it a point to find me after the meeting and one, ask me about my experience and then two, gave me some great advice. Do you remember what that was? You're the president. You've got the keys. Do the work. I love that. And that was very powerful. How can we elevate women's voices in our ward? Well, I heard something at the table tonight about having the Relief Society president and the Elders Quorum president sitting on the stand during a sacrament meeting. I think that that would be good. We need to publicly display, you know, the roles and their importance. And certainly uh, the Relief Society president needs to be recognized. Awesome. Love it. Well, George, I guess as we, we wrap up here, just a few things that come to mind, just like this retreat experience, like being with your people. And I'm honored that I'm one of your people, like that we're kindred spirits. And I want to, I want to grow up to be George, right? And you inspire me. So like, what is this, anything else you'd say as far as what this means to you to just be with other leaders? I think the thing that this, I've gotten a lot of ideas. I looked at the ideas and I think it's important to know that there are other people that are trying to do the same thing. Mm Mm-hmm. It's hard when you feel like you're the only one. And um, I think that this, are we going to do this next year? Uh, I only feel calm, George. So <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it's something that's needed because we are swimming upstream. And it takes a lot to be able to try to implement, you know, all of this. I mean, look at the difficulty the Savior had in trying to. Um, you know, create a Zion. And it's going to take a lot of work, but I think it has to be done. Yeah. And um, the more we can communicate with each other and support each other, I think the better off we'll, yeah, our results will be. Yeah. Love it. As I think back on this interaction, like what I found most inspiring is you just like being willing to meet with your bishop and just say like, don't count me out. Like I'm not old. I can still give. Right. And uh, 
Like that's like so inspiring. Is that like a is that a formal appointment you said? An email in the hallway? You mentioned that or like No, I go to the office. You get in that room and I get in the room. I want him to know that I'm serious. Yeah. And when we moved back to Florida, my wife and I both went in. Yeah. And we said that uh we're here to do something. We want to do yeah. something. Oh, it was an interesting story. So we renewed our temple recommend and uh, then went to the stake. And um, this was just like maybe, oh, uh, I guess um, not not even a month, I think, after we had moved back to Florida. And um, we went then to the stake for the second part of the interview. And uh, the stake president was about halfway through the questions with me and he stopped and said, would you stay afterwards so we could talk for a few minutes? Oh. <laughs> so that's when he called us on our mission. So um, awesome. Then we had something to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Well, thank you, George. I, I sprung this on you. It's not like I've been planning for weeks that uh, George will be here. Well, we got to interview him, but uh, definitely it, it was meant to be. And, uh, and uh, I'm just going to throw this in here. You said as you were walking on stage, you were having a tough time coming up the the stairs here. And you said you fell down the stairs on Monday. On Monday. Morning. And it's yeah. and like on your, like this Monday. This Monday. Yeah, and it's it's sense. Tuesday. <laughs> but you still, <laughs> but you got, and nothing's broken, doctor, right? I mean. <laughs> well, I don't know, but I didn't want to take, I don't want to find out until after the conference is over. <laughs> you don't need another, one of your colleagues telling you you can't go to a conference, right? Well. Right. Wow. What so. sacrifice. I mean, and so. It's just an honor to have you here. So Thank you very much. All right, last question I have for you. As, as you reflect back on 87 years of being a leader, how has being a leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? Well, if you're going to really lead, you gotta, you got to walk the walk. And it's, you know, takes, you have to think about it. This year, in studying uh, the uh, Come Follow Me program and listening to some of the uh, podcasts uh, and the YouTube videos, yeah. I made the uh, decision that I, I'm one of those persons, I love the to-do list, you know, I've got a to-do list every day, and but I first got kind of tuned into it, I think it was Brother Rogers who gave a talk to be or to do, hmm. and um, I decided then I needed to work more on the to be and then this year listening uh, I've decided I want to become a disciple and not just a follower and um, that's uh, if you make that commitment you have to make some changes and it changes your priorities The End That's it for this Leading Saints episode I encourage you to check out some of the most popular episodes of the podcast that we list at the bottom of the show notes. If you haven't listened to all of those, do so now. And remember, to get on the email newsletter list, simply go to leadingsaints.org slash 14. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought 
forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness, the loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.